Sturge this morning and those viewing us online for the Dunlop, Beaverdale, and Sidman Charge. Uh, the pastor is under the weather today, so Colleen will be giving the message this morning, and we still are having Christmas candlelight service tonight, so please come at 7 o'clock. It will be here, and it is a combined service with all three charges. Let us have the lighting of candles. stand if you are able and join in singing hymn number 141 a little town of Bethlehem
Please be seated. No bulletins, but if I remember correctly from last week, uh, announcement-wise, there is a an oil anointing service next week. So that would be on the 31st. Are there any other announcements this morning? If there are none, let us have the lighting of our fourth Advent candle. we remember the gift of love we have in Christ. The light of the candles is meant to remind us of the love that God has, has for us. Jesus shows us God's perfect love. He is God's love in human form. The Bible says that God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Love is patient, love is kind, and envies no one. Love is never boastful or conceited, rude or selfish. Love is not quick to take offense. It keeps no records of wrongs. It does not gloat over other people's troubles, but rejoices in the right, the good and the true. There is nothing that love cannot face. There is no limit to its faith, to its hope, to its endurance. Love never ends. As we light this candle, we remember that we are called to love like Christ loves us. As we light this candle, we are reminded that we are called to show that love in the way we treat others. Let us pray. Loving God, we thank you for your gift of love shown to us perfectly in Jesus Christ our Lord. Help us prepare our hearts for the Lord's coming by loving others as Christ loves us. We ask this in the name of the one born in Bethlehem, Jesus our Lord. Amen. For the affirmation of faith, please stand if you are able, and we will have a responsive reading, I believe, uh, from 2 Samuel verse, chapter 7, verses 1 through 11 and 16. <clears throat> After the king was settled in his palace, and the Lord had given him rest from all his enemies around him, he said to Nathan the prophet, Here I am, living in a hostile while we are. Nathan replied to the king, Whatever you have in mind, go ahead and do it, for the Lord is with you. But that night the word of the Lord came to Nathan, saying, Go and tell my servant David, this is what the Lord says. Are you the one to build me a house to dwell in? I have not dwelt in a house from the day I brought the Israelites up out of Egypt to the day. I have been moving from place to place. Wherever I have moved with all the Israelites, did I ever say to any of their rulers whom I commanded to shepherd my people Israel, why have you not built me a house of cedar? I have been with you wherever you have gone, and I have cut off all your enemies from before you. Now I will make your name great, like the names of the greatest men on earth. And I will provide for you a place of rest, and I will make your name great, like the name of the greatest men on earth. 
and I have done and have done ever since the time I appointed leaders over my people Israel, I will also give you rest from all your enemies. The Lord declares to you that the Lord himself will establish a house for you. Please be seated. Let's go to prayer before the Lord. <coughs> Heavenly Father, we come before you on this Christmas Eve morning to begin celebrating the birth of your son, Jesus, and that you gave him to us on this night and tomorrow so that we can be saved from the darkness of sin. We thank you for all the blessings that you bestow on us, for we know everything we have comes from you, Lord, and we thank you for the freedom to come together in this building to worship and praise your name. And we ask for prayer for our country and that we can continue to come together and worship you. We ask for prayers for Pastor Bruce as he's under the weather, for our leader, leaders, our military, first responders, those who may not find that this season that should be joy joyful may not find it so joyful for one reason or another. We pray for those suffering from illnesses. We pray for those suffering from, 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 dement, from depression and those who can't be with their families this Christmas season, as well as all those traveling to be with their families. And at this time, if there's anyone in the congregation who would like to lift up a name, please do so. Dear Lord, we lift these, these people up to you, and you know each need of each of the people lifted up. And all those, we also lift up all those unspoken prayers on each of our hearts. And we ask that you answer those prayers as you see fit, as we pray the prayer you taught your disciples so long ago. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Please stand if you are able and join in singing the first four verses of the first Noel, found at number 136.
be seated. And will the ushers come forward for today's tithes and offerings? Gracious and generous God, we offer our gifts to you, knowing that the energy exerted in our giving is tiny compared to what we've experienced finding the gifts from our family and friends. You have given us a glimpse of the gift you truly seek in the angel's conversation with Mary when you told that she would give birth to our Savior, and she simply said, Yes, let it be according to your word. May that affirmation of faith and obedience be the gift we offer this day. In Christ we pray. Amen. Please be seated. Good morning, everybody. Can you all hear me? I was getting in trouble for not being loud enough. Um, so our scripture reading is Luke chapter 1, verses 26 to 38. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary, and the angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be? Mary asked the angel since I am a virgin. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One will be born. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word be May your word to me be fulfilled. And then the angel left her. The word of God for the people of God. 
So here we see our story of Mary finding out that she's going to be the mother of Jesus. And it, ama it amazes me how Mary seems to be on board pretty quickly. She knows that this is going to radically change her life. And yet she seems to take the angel's words to heart when the angel told her, do not be afraid. She knows that she faces being rejected by Joseph. She could even face being stoned to death for being pregnant and everyone knowing that Joseph is not the father. But her final response is, here am I, the servant of the Lord. Let it be with me according to your word. That just amazes me. And I'm pretty sure that I would not have the same response. And so I heard this first question first asked when Pastor Zimmerman was here. But the question is, did God ask other people before he asked Mary? Did he send Gabriel to other girls who told the angel, no, I'm not doing that? Or did God know that Mary's heart was in the right place and he went straight to her to be the mother of the Lord? The question is the same today. Are our hearts open to what the Lord has for us? Or have we missed out on God's blessings because we aren't listening? Mary didn't live in an easy time. She was a Jewish woman living under Roman rule. And although the Romans were tolerant of letting them practice their Jewish faith, the um, <clears throat> governors in the Roman territories were not particularly kind to the Jewish people. They required them to pay high taxes to the Roman government and many of their tax collectors were thieves and charged them extra. In addition, because they were Jewish, they also had to pay a temple tax to Jerusalem. And that left many of the Jewish people impoverished and frustrated with their Roman rule. And I wonder, did Mary understand exactly what Gabriel meant when he told her that she was going to conceive a child that would have the throne of David? Did she think that he would be an earthly king, overthrowing the Roman government? Or did she understand through the power of the Holy Spirit that Jesus was going to end up being the ultimate sacrifice for humankind, that he would end up being crucified on a cross? And we even have a song, Mary, Did You Know, that ponders these ideas. And we don't know exactly what Mary thought or knew or understood about what would happen to her and her child. But we do know that she was humble before the Lord and she told him to let it be with me according to your word. She was willing to participate in God's plan for her life regardless. Mary was not a great scholar. She was not an expert in the word of God. She was not a priest in the temple. Yet she was called upon to participate in the most amazing plan of God. And it's a prime example of the fact that God doesn't need us to have any special qualifications in order to serve him. We just need to be willing to say yes when he calls us. In fact, the Bible is full of stories of regular people who just said yes when God calls. In Luke chapter 5, verses 1 to 7, we see Jesus calling his first disciples. Hear the word of the Lord. One day, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gisenaret, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats 
left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from shore. And then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and I haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. And when they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. <clears throat> and they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. And when Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. In researching this passage, I found out some interesting things about fishing in the Sea of Gisenaret, or the Sea of Galilee, it's the other name for it. First of all, the fishermen fished at night because they believed it made it harder for the fish to see their nets when they were trying to catch them. And then they would also put a floating light at the end of their nets to draw the fish toward the light, hoping that they would catch them in their nets. And <clears throat> so Simon, who will later in the Bible be known as Peter, had been fishing all night, and he was cleaning his nets to prepare for the next night of fishing. Jesus asked Simon to take him out in the boat. Just think how you would feel. You worked all night, you made no money, you caught no fish, you're just trying to get ready for the next night. You're tired, you're probably hungry, and this man who decided to preach where you were trying to do your job wants you to take him out in your boat. I'm sure Simon Peter felt inconvenienced. And he did take Jesus out a little ways, and Jesus preached from the shore. We don't know what Jesus talked about at that time. But then, to top it off, after he preaches, Jesus asks Simon to go out in the deep water and cast his nets. The other thing I learned about fishing in the Sea of Galilee is that when they're fishing, they're usually catching tilapia, <clears throat> and tilapia apparently like to live in the shallow water. And so Simon Peter, I'm sure, thinks that Jesus is crazy because Jesus has just asked him to go out in the deep water and catch fish. Simon Peter clearly doesn't want to do this because he says, listen, I fished all night, I didn't catch anything. But, because you say so, I will let down the nets. Pastor Adam Hamilton from the Resurrection Church calls this, and others like it, a defining moment disguised as an inconvenience. I'll say that again. A defining moment disguised as an inconvenience. Simon Peter, Simon Peter did not want to be inconvenienced that day. He did not want to go fishing in the daytime, in deep waters, against everything he knew as an expert fisherman. He did it for a living. He knew what he was doing. Yet he did it anyway, because Jesus asked him to. And the result was two boatloads of fish that almost sunk both of his boats. It just goes to show that Jesus doesn't follow human thinking. He may ask us to do things that are outside of our comfort zone, and our initial reaction is to refuse. I can't. I won't. I don't have time. 
I'm not the right person for the job. We all, I think, tend to react that way. But God is looking for the yes in us. He's looking for us to be willing to humble ourselves and say yes to his call, even when it goes against everything we believe to be true about ourselves. And we see that Peter recognized the miracle in that catch. He's the first person in the Bible to recognize and call Jesus Lord. And he realized that Jesus was the light that attracted those fish to those nets that day because those conditions went against everything they knew about fishing. And when we respond to Jesus' call, defining moments can be life-changing. Mary willingly agreed to bring Jesus into this world, and the entire world has never been the same. Peter announces that Jesus is Lord. He becomes the rock and the foundation of the Christian church. Have you ever been called to serve in some way? And you really, really don't feel like doing it. Every fiber of your being wants to say no, but deep down you know that you're supposed to be doing this. It's easy to say no. We are busy people, we have commitments, and you should manage our time. But when you say yes to that call, I can guarantee you that you will end up being blessed in some way. I'm sure that we've all had, as Pastor Hamilton would say, a defining moment disguised as an inconvenience. <clears throat> Not only will your life be changed, but you're impacting someone around you. Pastor Adam Hamilton gives an example of a member of his congregation. And this member was retired, and I hear that once you're retired, people always call on you to do lots of things, because they think you have lots of time available. And they called upon this retired member and some other retired members of the church to go into the school and tutor second graders. These second graders were behind in reading, mainly because of COVID, and they wanted these people to go in and help these students get back on track. And this man, this retired member of his church, did not, did not want to do this. He didn't feel called to work with kids. He certainly didn't feel called to be a teacher, but he did it anyway. And he went in and he was assigned to work with a little girl who was reading at a kindergarten level in second grade. She couldn't read three-letter words, and she felt like she was too dumb to ever learn how to read. So this man started working with her and taught her three-letter words, and then he taught her four-letter words. Then she was reading sentences. By the end of the year, she could read a whole book. She was back on level from being tutored with that man. And the teacher said of all the students that got tutoring, she had made the most progress of any of them. All because that man said yes to this moment that was disguised as an inconvenience. In this Christmas season, we are like Mary. We live in a troubled time. Money may be tight. Perhaps you have health concerns or family troubles. And we know that the world certainly seems crazy right now. But God is with us. And it's my hope and prayer today that you all feel the love of Christ. 
and know that Jesus has work for you to do. And how, no matter how crazy the call might seem, I hope that when he calls, you respond with a resounding yes. Let us pray. Beloved, the wait for the Messiah is almost over and has only just begun. Go from this space carrying the love that transforms us in your hearts, that your lives may give birth to hope, peace, joy, and love wherever you go. Amen. Let us stand, if, <clears throat> if you're able, and join in singing Joy to the World, number 125. Please join us this evening at seven o'clock for the combined candlelight service and let us receive the benediction. May the God of peace, who through the blood of eternal covenant brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, equip you with everything good for doing his will. And, he may, <clears throat> and may he work in us what is pleasing to him through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever, amen.